Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, encounterchurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. We're going to jump right into part five of a series that we're calling the Full Pursuit. In other words, we're looking at what James is talking about is a spiritual maturity, going from an immature walk with Christ to a mature walk with Christ. And I would hope and I would pray that by this point in time, five weeks into it, that you've really allowed this idea of maturity to take root on the inside of your life so that your personal walk with God is not like it was last week or even five weeks ago. But I want you to understand something this morning. This growth will only take place as you apply the very word of God. This spiritual maturity is not just going to happen by accident. And our response to it must be to begin to engage God's word in our life. If you remember, we heard last week that if all we do is listen to the word of God, but we don't apply it to our heart, we're fooling ourselves. There's really no productivity or advancement in our walk or in our maturity with Christ. So I would hope and pray that by this point in time, you begun to apply the very word of God into your heart to allow it to make a change and an impact that not only affects you, but guess what? As God begins to do a work in your life, oh, this is good, hold on to this. If, as God begins to do a work in your life and he begins to change you on the outside, it can't help but to make an impact on those around you. Now, if you were here, I would venture to say you would have said amen or, or clapped or something right there because that's good stuff. The presence of God, the very power of God changes the environment in which we stand if and only if we allow that power to be translated not just in one ear and out the other but applied to our heart and into our lives and so that we're utilized and used for the kingdom of God. So I challenge you, don't just let this be a series that we pass by and down the road we think, well, that was really good, we enjoyed the book of James. But allow this to be a series that changes you at the very core of your existence. Today, I want to discuss um, an, an area of our life that oftentimes we overlook, and that's the need of conflict resolution. Now we've taken the time to talk about trials and temptations and actions versus faith. Last week we talked about the tongue and and the need to control the tongue, but today I want to look at conflict resolution in our personal lives. Look what James says in James chapter 4 verse 1. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Well, some of you would say, well, it's the people around me. 
It's the attitudes. It's the immaturity. It's the, the stupidity of the world around me. That's what's causing the arguments. It, it, it's the people that won't listen to what I have to say. That's what's causing the arguments. No, 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 no. Now listen carefully. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians that our struggle, our battle, is not against one another. Our struggle, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against your co-worker. It's not against your spouse. It's not against your neighbor. It's not against your kids. Your battle today is not because of them. Listen to what James says. What's causing the quarrels and fights among you, don't they come from the evil desires that rage war within you? The reason for the conflict, the reason for the battle is not because of man. It's not because of people around you. The reason for the conflict is because there's a battle raging on the inside of you. He goes on to say this. You, what, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have. But you can't get it, so you fight and rage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Did you hear that? You don't have what you want because you fail to ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. He goes on to say this, you adulterers. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I, I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God what's causing the war around you what's causing the quarrels and the fights that's what I want to talk about today I want to take some time for the next few moments I want to look at what is the source of the struggle and then let's turn it around and figure out how do we resolve the conflicts in our lives now I'm reminded of a pastor that that one Sunday night was having a, a service and they decided to take some testimonies from the body of believers that were there. So the pastor gets up and says, anybody have something incredible that happened in your life this week? And, or are there any of you that have a prayer need that you want us to pray about? So the, the people one by one begin to pop up and Somebody over here said, well, this has been a really good week. I, I got a bonus at work. And someone over here said, man, this has actually been a struggling week for me. I pray that you will just pray for me because I'm, I'm struggling physically. But then suddenly this woman right in the middle of the room stands up and she boisterously declares, sisters and brothers, please pray for me. This has been a very trying week. The old devil is doing everything in his power to make me miserable. Pray that I'll survive. She sits down and almost instantly her husband jumps to his feet and he says, well, brothers and sisters, I want you to know she's not the easiest woman to get along with either. Every one of us come in contact with people that are difficult to get along with. Every day you come face to face with a myriad of people or 
personality types. Every step you take, you encounter a variety of thoughts and behaviors. Some people are going to come across a little bit irritating. Don't point at your neighbor or the person sitting beside you right now. Others of you will find somebody that's a little fascinating. There are some people, quite honestly, that are just intimidating. We are all unique individuals with our own thoughts, our own mannerisms, and quite honestly, our own behaviors. Will we always agree with one another? Will we always get along? No. Think about this. Maybe, maybe you're the one this week, maybe you were the one that was difficult to get along with. We all have those days. We all have those moments. Will we always agree? Well, certainly not. But listen carefully. We have to work through disagreements in a godly manner. It's vital. If you claim to be a Christian, which means a little Christ, a representative of Jesus, if you claim to be a follower of Christ, then your responses, then your actions, then your words, then what you do must resemble who he is. That includes when that individual is difficult to get along with. That includes when that person is a a wee bit irritating. James says the quarreling that you experience, it's a result of a battle that's raging inside of every single one of us. When we don't get what we want, we fight to get it. Taking anyone and everyone down as we press forward for the prize that we deserve, so we assume. I don't know about you, But I see a huge discrepancy between this type of behavior and the life that Jesus himself tells us that we are supposed to live. Now remember, the Bible tells us, scriptures tell us, that we are to love our enemies and do good to those that hate us. When suddenly this battle begins to rage, what we are to give back is love so this morning for the next few moments i want to look at three causes of the quarrels yes james says they come from within but what causes that to take place look at number one cause number one a desire for power and control Every single one of us has a desire for power and control. Verse 2 of James chapter 4 says, You want what you don't have. You long for that power. It's in our human nature to want to be in control, to want to grab a hold of what's happening around us. As a teenager, you want your independence. You can't wait until you turn 16. So you can get in that car and suddenly there's freedom. You can just drive anywhere you want. Now I'll tell you, teenagers nowadays, they don't understand freedom like we had it. I can track my kids no matter where they are. I got them on my phone. When I was a kid, man, all you had to do was say, Mom and Dad, I'll be back. I'll tell them where you're headed. And you get in that car and you can just drive. 
You knew your curfew. You knew when you had to be home. It was freedom. It was independence. It was beginning to adult. It was learning what it meant to control your life. Maybe you have a toddler today. And they're going through those terrible twos. They're learning some independence. They're learning words like no or mine. They want to be in control. This idea of independence can be channeled the right way or it can be channeled the wrong way. Now, don't misunderstand me. Listen carefully. It's okay to be a leader. It's okay to be in charge. But when that behavior begins to tear others down, when that desire to be in control begins to to tear others apart, to cause struggles and problems, we've taken our independence too far. So our first cause is a desire for power and control. Our second cause is this, a desire to have it my way. Boy, this is the American dream right here. I want it my way. I want it just the way I want. I don't want it the way you want it. I don't want it the way they have it. But I want it my way. I want it designed just for me. James says in chapter 4, verse 2, the latter portion, so you scheme and kill to get it. You want what you don't have? So what do you do? You scheme and you kill just to get it. In other words, you do whatever you have to do to have it your way. No matter who you have to step on, no matter who you have to run down or even overlook, you simply cry out, I want it my way. You may say, well, pastor, I I would never kill somebody james is suggesting that that i scheme and kill to get what i don't have i would never kill somebody i can barely kill a spider i wouldn't kill anybody let me remind you what we learned last week there is the power of life and of say it with me death in the power of the tongue by the words that you speak You can either bring life or bring death. Sometimes this is done for selfish reasons. Other times it's mere ignorance. But for some reason or another, we scheme and we plan and we verbally kill just to get what we want, causing quarrels and issues all around us. First cause, a desire for power and control. The second, a desire to have it my way. The third cause, a desire for what others have. In other words, we haven't quite learned what it means to be content. James says in the latter portion of verse 2, you are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and you rage war to take it away from them. I want what you have so no matter what i have to do no matter who i have to hurt i'm gonna fight to the death i'm gonna fight till the end i'm gonna take you down so that i can have what you have because i deserve it we haven't learned to be content with what god has provided for us 
But also we find ourselves so busy arguing and complaining about the lack of what we don't have in our lives that we fail to go to the source who could supply it for us. Let me say that again. We find ourselves so busy arguing and complaining, I want that, you have that, I should have that, you have that, I deserve that, I deserve it more than you deserve it. We're complaining and arguing and griping and all these things going on. But if we would just turn to God, if we would just cry out to Him, the Bible says, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Do we see the problem? We're too busy griping and complaining. But God said, I'm right here. All you need to do is ask. All you need to do is cry out to God. So busy griping and complaining that it never occurs to us that maybe, just maybe, we ought to seek after God. Let me ask you this. How many of you would love to have a better relationship with your kids? You find that every time you try to talk to them, they roll their eyes at you, or they act like you're from another planet or something, or you just don't understand their world, and things just don't go well. There's always arguing and complaining. You'd like to spend just one day with your son or your daughter and where they don't act like they're embarrassed to be around you. You miss that closeness that you used to have when they were younger. Can I just tell you, one of the best ways to find resolution in that is to take it to God. Say, God, every time I bring things up to my kids, it just causes an argument. They roll their eyes, they begin to complain and gripe. So God, instead of bringing it up to them time and time again, Lord, I'm going to lay it at your feet because you tell me I can cast my cares upon you because you care for me. Lord, you love me. You're concerned about the details of my life. Lord, I pray that you will give me wisdom to be a better dad. Give me wisdom to be a better parent. I pray that my child, that myself, that my spouse, that each one of us will become more like you. Lord, work in the relationship that we have with our kids. Or maybe, maybe you would love to have a better relationship with your spouse. You're tired of all the criticizing. You'd rather socialize instead of criticize in your life. You find yourself arguing about everything. Why not? Why not give it to God and ask God to bring about a resolve? Why not cry out, Lord, every time I try to talk to my spouse about this or, or that, there causes an argument or a problem. So, Lord, from this moment on, Lord, I'm going to lay it at your feet. God, I'm going to give it to you. Lord, I'm going to rely upon you. And, Lord, I, I pray right now that you will change me and help me to be the better husband. Help me to be the better spouse and Lord I pray that you will help our relationship help the two of us to grow more and more like you now did you notice a common denominator in both of those prayers we started by saying Lord change what's happening on the inside of me we're so quick when a battle is raging to begin to blame the other person well they just don't listen well, they just don't have, have the, the ability to even comprehend what I'm trying to say. We throw all of these things out there. 
But the, real, the reality of the fact is this. We've got to begin by changing what's happening on the inside of us. But James goes on to say, but sometimes we cry out to God and we don't receive what we're praying for because we're asking with the wrong desires. We have the wrong motives in place. He says this in verse 3, and even when you do ask, you don't get it because your whole motive is wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. In other words, you're self-absorbed, you're self Focus, you're not looking out for the betterment of all. You're not looking to improve what's happening around you. You want only what's best for you. That's the wrong motive. A couple questions you got to ask yourself. How do I know? How do I know if I've got good motives or not? How do I know if my motives are pure? How do I know if my motives are, are God-centered or not? Well, two questions to ask. Number one, are your motives self-centered or are they Christ-centered? Number two, are you looking out for yourself? Or are you begin, uh, crying out for the betterment of those around you as well? See, then and only then will you find out if your motives are pure or are they self-seeking. So we've discovered our three causes. Number one, we look for power and control. We desire that more than anything. Number two, a desire to have it my way, to have things my way, not any way else. Number three, a desire for what others have. So what do we do with this? Now that we understand the source of these, what's the resolution? How do I move from here to there? I want to give you four steps. Number one, give control to God. I know that sounds really simple, I know you're probably sitting there going, wow, pastor, you spent a long time thinking of that point. But it's the truth. That's the starting point. That's the beginning of all of this. Any difficulty, any situation, any struggle in your life, you want to know where to start? Start with God. That's the beginning. James says in, in verse 7, so humble yourself before God. Another translation says, submit yourself. The message paraphrase said, let God work his will in you. In other words, let God be God in your life. Turn it over to him. Give God full control. That's the starting point. James says, you've got this conflict that's happening with other people because you're fighting with them on deep down on the inside. There's a battle raging on the interior of who you are. So the starting point is getting peace on the inside before you can have peace on the outside. Again, the starting point is having peace on the inside before you can ever have peace on the outside. And the only way to have peace on the inside is to submit yourself, is to give yourself completely to God. Question you've got to ask yourself, who's in charge of my life? Ask yourself that question right now. Who's in charge of my life? If your answer is self, guess what? Ding, 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 ding. There's the problem. There's the issue. You're trying to do what you were never created to do. This world is not very nice. 
This world is going to throw curveballs your direction. This world is going to give you problems. And if you're trying to manage all this stuff and, and juggle it all by yourself, guess what? You're going to find the quarreling. You're going to find the battle. You're going to find the struggle every time. But if you want peace on the inside, you've got to learn to give it to God, to submit to God. Colossians chapter 3 says this, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Now, the word rule here is a word that describes an umpire. So if you're a baseball fan or a softball fan, the, the umpire, he's the one that calls the balls and strikes. He's standing behind the catcher. He, he's watching that ball come in. And when it passes by, he's back there going strike or ball or all of these. He's calling the shots of the game. When God is allowed to rule your heart, he calls the shots. He's the umpire, if you were, if you would, of your life. When you have peace of Christ in your heart, then you'll begin to see peace with those around you. If you're tempting things on your own, chances are you will try to manipulate others. You will plan and, and scheme and eventually kill just to get what they have, to get what you want you're trying to control the situation you're trying to move them along to make the situation work out for your betterment sometimes this is unintentionally but i want you to know you've got to learn to give it to god it's saying lord your will be done not my will lord whatever you have in store god you first not me first there's a huge difference here when you say, Lord, whatever you want, that's what I want, suddenly you're going to find that peace begins to settle into your life. Our second step is this. Resist control by Satan. Resist control by Satan. James chapter 4, verse 7 says, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So you submit to God, you humble yourself before God, you give yourself to God, then you resist control of the enemy. In other words, you stay alert, you're aware of the environment around you, you realize what the enemy is trying to do, you realize where the conflict is coming from, and he's the source behind it all. Now, the word resist here could be described as to be prepared, to stand against. In other words, you're ready for the attack of the enemy. The Bible says he is roaming around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. Now, if all we do is put those blinders on our eyes and we're walking around and we got our eyes closed and the blinders over and we're not really watching what's happening, we're just kind of letting life happen all around us and things are going on, guess what? Sooner or later, you're going to find yourself attacked by the enemy. But 
If you're on alert, if you're prayed up, as we used to say, prayed up, packed up, and ready to go, you got the presence of God in your life. You've spent time in the presence of God. You've spent time allowing His, his Word to take root inside of you. You're on to the, the enemy's game, and you're watching. You're prepared. Guess what? You've submitted yourself to God. Now you're able to resist the attack of the enemy. I've discovered this. The, the devil wants to do everything he can to destroy your life, to destroy your marriage, to destroy every relationship. Why? Because he loves conflict. He wants to cause confusion. He wants to cause arguments, stress, hurt feelings, disappointment, anger, chaos. He wants to do everything he can to throw you off track. But James says, You've got to give God control. You've got to let God manage your life. And then you've got to step up into defense mode. You've got to resist the devil. You've got to realize what he's doing. You've got to be on to his evil plan. Now remember, verse 4, we read it a moment ago. It says that our friendship can't be split. It can't be a little bit of friendship over here and a, and a little bit of friendship over there. It's all or nothing with God. If you want to be a friend of the world, guess what? You're a friend of the enemy because the Bible says that Satan is in control of what's happening. But I want you to know that God is more powerful than anything the enemy can do. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Give it to God. Rely upon God. Submit yourself to Him and resist the devil. You must understand how the devil operates. He plays on your pride. He looks especially for wounded pride. You ever watched any of the Discovery Channel or Animal Planet and, and they're showing one animal that's chasing after another? They look for the weakest animal in the pack to attack. That's kind of what Satan does. He looks for those of us that are wounded emotionally. Our pride is wounded. He begins to whisper things into our ear, telling us things that he knows that we want to hear, those little thoughts or suggestions or ideas, and we're in that middle of the conflict. He begins to tell you things like this. You don't have to take that. You don't have to listen to what they... In fact, you should retaliate right now. You should rage war against them. He tells you things that your pride wants to hear. It's time for us to take a stand and resist the enemy. If you want to see your relationships improve, I'm here to tell you right now, you've got to submit to God. You've got to resist the enemy. And the Bible says when you do that, Satan has no choice but to flee. I'm telling you, sometimes he just goes around the corner and he hides for a few moments and he wait, waits for a weak moment again. And he tries attacking, but you've got to stay on task. You've got to stay on point. You've got to stay focused. You've got to continuously submit yourself to God. Daily cry out to God. Daily hide his word in your heart. Allow him to Fill you completely with all that he is. Step number three, grow close to God. Verse eight says, come close to God and God will come close to 
you. I don't know about you, but I love that verse. Because that tells me that my God is a close-up personal God. My God is not a, a far distant God that has nothing to do with my life. My God is a personal God that hears my heart, that wants to be a part of what's going on in my life. And when I begin to praise him, the Bible says he takes residence in that praise. So how are you doing? How are you growing closer to God? How do we go about doing that? Well, you can spend time in the word. You can spend time in prayer. Well, pastor, <coughs> I, I don't know how to pray. It's simple. Just talk to God. If you're frustrated, tell God, God, I'm frustrated. If you're excited, say, man, God, this has been an incredible day. Just talk to God like you would anyone else. He just wants to hear from you. We grow in our relationship with God by spending time in church. And I know that's hard right now with where we are but we're getting close to coming back together it's getting involved in in bible studies it's getting involved in in life groups it's being a part right now with zoom meetings with other christians letting one another sharpen each other and letting the word of god be penetrated inside of us all of these things help us grow in our relationship with god but look at this the more time you spend with god the better you will get along with people. Think about that for a moment. The more time that you spend with God, the better you will get along with people. Why? Because suddenly your thoughts align with His thoughts. Your actions come in line with His actions. Your desires, your behaviors, your wants, suddenly they come in line with Him. Why? Because you're spending time in the presence of God. But you say, well, Pastor, I, I, I'm too busy. I got too many things going on. My, my calendar just doesn't allow for that to happen. Well, maybe, maybe you need to cut some things out of your schedule because more than anything else, the most important thing you can do is spend time in the presence of God. If you want to be a positive role model for your kids, guess what? There's no greater role model than a person that calls upon the name of Jesus. The more time you spend with God, the more you're going to enjoy the rest of your life. Look at this, our three steps. Give control to God. Resist control by Satan. Grow close to God. And finally, number four, ask for forgiveness. Man, this is hard. Three little words. I am sorry. But it's not, I'm sorry that you were offended, or I'm sorry that you got mad. That's not an apology. That's an observation. I'm sorry that I messed up. I'm sorry that I said the wrong thing. I'm sorry that I did that. With no buts at the end, but just, I'm sorry. Verse 8 says this, Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and this world. Wash your hands. Purify your hearts. 
we must learn to ask for forgiveness from God but also from those that we have hurt from those that we have conflict with James says wash your hands purify your heart your hands represent your conduct what you do your heart represents your attitude who you are on the inside change your actions change your attitude but make sure you know the difference between asking for forgiveness and really repenting repenting is saying I'm going to turn away from this behavior I'm gonna turn away from this attitude I'm gonna turn away from this action I'm gonna move in a brand new direction James says in verse 9 let there be tears for what you have done let there be sorrow and deep grief let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy if you want to change the only way you're going to change is to humble yourself before God to submit yourself to him it's hard but do you want to change if we do our part God promises to do our part finally in verse 10 James says this get down on your knees some of you right now where you are maybe in your living room maybe you're in front of your family it doesn't matter if you're at a place right now and you're like man I need to change I'm tired of the war that's raging I'm tired of the battle that's going on I challenge you right now get on your knees get off the couch get off the lazy boy get out of your office chair wherever you are pull your car over to the side of the road get out of the car get on your knees before God it's the only way you'll get on your feet if you want to see a change it starts by submitting yourself to God is that you pastor I, I don't know what to do there's been this war going on for quite some time in my life and I don't want it there can I challenge you the starting point the opportunity for peace begins by submitting yourself to God maybe maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus man can I invite you to ask him into your life today I want to pray a prayer and if you say pastor that's me I need Jesus I can't do this on my own I want you to know that that you're amongst a whole bunch of other people that can't do it by themselves you're amongst a whole bunch of people that on their own mess up a lot but the place the point the the pivot moment begins by submitting to God and if you want to give your life to Christ I want to pray a prayer if you pray this prayer the Bible says that if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us 
to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. In other words, all the wrong that we've ever done, he'll wipe it clean. Just as if you've never sinned, making you brand new. Would you pray this prayer with me? Dear God, I'm tired of this life that I'm living. I've attempted it by myself. That's gotten me nowhere. I'm tired of the fighting. I'm tired of the war. I'm tired of the scheming and planning. I'm tired of the words that I let to come out my mouth. So I ask right now that you will forgive me. I confess my sins to you. I surrender myself. I know you love me. I know you died for me. Would you take me? I submit myself make me brand new. I love you, God. And I thank you for forgiving me. I thank you for the new life. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, would you do me a favor? There's a, a common questionnaire that I need you to fill out. It's in the comment box right now. Would you take a moment right at the conclusion of this service, fill that out. That simply comes to our church office, and we want to pray with you. We want to call you this week and answer any questions that you may have. We want to walk side by side with you in your journey with Christ. But there's another group of people that I want to pray for right now. You've got a relationship with Christ, but you're still finding yourself amongst this battle. You want to resist the enemy. You want to walk solid in your faith. You want to apply the word of God. You want to grow in your maturity with him. If that's you, I want to pray for you right now. God, I pray right now for every individual that's with us online right now. Lord, they've got the relationship with you, but they find themselves not always resisting the enemy. They find themselves not always submitting the way they need to. They find themselves amongst the quarrel and the battle. But I ask right now, God, that you will speak into their hearts, Lord, that you will speak into their lives, Lord, that you will pour out your spirit, give them strength and courage and boldness, God, to walk solid and upright in the faith, Lord, to walk with boldness, God, and in who you are and confidence because of what you have done in their hearts and in their lives. Lord, touch every relationship. Lord, I pray that you'll bless husband and wives right now. Lord, bless them, Lord, that their words will speak truth. Lord, the words will speak life. Lord, that the words will speak encouragement. Lord, bless 
relationships in houses with kids, bless relationships at the job and the workplace, bless relationships in the community. Lord, I pray right now that you'll pour out your spirit, Lord, that you will speak to your people, Lord. Help us to reflect you in our actions, in our words, in our deeds, in all that we say and all that we do. We thank you, oh God. And Lord, be with us as we move forward in our maturity with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.